Hey, welcome back to another video, second in the video series, going over the current market conditions, some of the market updates we've prepared in the past, and where we see things going in the near term. It is very likely the Federal Reserve is going to be raising interest rates later this month. So we put together this video series to dive into some of the fundamentals of understanding how this is going to impact the economy and the market as well as to backtrack on some of the things that we've written about over the past year, some of the forecasts we, that we have made, and many of which are now coming to fruition. Um, so the second video here, we're diving into a market update report that I sent to clients in the fall of 2017. It's the autumn 2017 market update. Again, you can get this on the website um, and access it and read it for free. So please do that. Um, similar to the first video, the introduction to mortgage rates video, we go through this market update very much like an audiobook reading. This market update is a bit more dense in terms of the uh, imagery and the charts that we go over. So reading through this is going to take far less time where the introduction to mortgage rates provided uh, the, the necessary and much needed backdrop and fundamentals to understand some of the things we talk about here. So this sh should be a short, uh, shorter video than the previous um, if you haven't watched it yet, please do. Uh, my name is John Kutsmita. I'm the owner of bestmortgagerate.com. We're also serving veterans of nocostvaloans.com. And we're putting together this video series to help get people prepared for what we're seeing is most likely going to be quite a bumpy ride in 2019. So without uh, any further delay, let's dive into um, the market update for autumn 2017. Now in this update, um, we do recap some of the the basics, some of the fundamentals that we just went over in the other video, The Truth About Mortgage Rates, but we do it in a much more uh, simplified manner. So I am going to read that again, just in case you're new to some of this and you haven't watched that video yet. Um, this will be much faster. It's just a quick recap, but please, if you haven't already, go watch that first video, um, the introduction uh, to mortgage rates or the truth about mortgage rates, excuse me. So the introduction on this market update for autumn 2017, we start by recapping some of the basics and then dive into a market analysis. Many of these topics we've discussed before, but as we enter the last quarter of the year, it makes sense to take a look back, especially since the outlook for mortgage rates has improved significantly since the beginning of 2017. We first take a look at treasury bonds and mortgage rates. The chart below compares the 10-year treasury bond index with 30-year mortgage rates. And as you'll see when you're looking at this, the charts correlate very, very closely. And we go into greater depth as to why in the uh, original or the first video of the series, The Truth About Mortgage Rates. The two lines look almost identical because both types of bonds pay a fixed rate of interest and therefore offer the same type of fixed income benefits to investors. U.S. Treasury bonds are considered to be less risky, which is why historically they have a slightly lower rate. The inverse relationship of bonds. The price of, a, of the bond has an inverse relationship with the interest rate. This means when the price of a bond goes up, the interest rate goes down. The relationship between price and rate is important to understand because this is what determines mortgage rates. Again, the Federal Reserve raising the Fed funds rate does not control mortgage rates. Um, it's, it's not something I'm going to deep dive with you here because I already did it in a much longer video um, in the first video of the series. 
Page four, the Federal Reserve does not control mortgage rates. As I just mentioned, you have probably read that the Federal Reserve Bank, also known as the Fed, has decided to raise rates. The natural response is to think that this means mortgage rates will be higher. This is not automatically true when the U.S. Central Bank, the Fed, decides to raise rates. This is referring to the Fed funds rate, which is an overnight lending rate for banks and does not apply directly to mortgage rates. Of course, it does have an influence. It is a factor. Everything pretty much is considered a potential factor in the macro economy, the global economy that is so intertwined. But just because the Fed is raising the Fed funds rate doesn't mean mortgage rates are going up. Notice in the chart below how rates on the U.S. 10-year Treasury bond rose abruptly in November 2016, long before the first Fed rate hike. In fact, ever since December when the Fed funds rate was increased for the first time in over a year, mortgage rates have been sideways and are now moving lower, which we forecasted, despite multiple rate hikes. So 2017 was a bit of a bumpy ride, but we were able to navigate in and out of some of these ups and downs. Um, leading into the summer of 2017, we had a nice rally um, in the bond market, which brought mortgage rates lower for a moment. They did rise back up at the end of 2017, and it kind of been in and out of these this higher trend line or this, this sideways trend that we've um, had throughout most of 2018. But there was a, an ideal opportunity or a wonderful opportunity to lock in some really good mortgage interest rates in 2017, heading into the summer, which we did forecast and we did advise our clients of before it happened many of which of our clients who jumped on that took advantage or were able to um, benefit from that small window of opportunity. Uh, we see much more of those types of opportunities forthcoming in 2019. Um, back to the article. The safety of bonds. What the Federal Reserve decides is meaningful, but it is not the only factor to consider. Instead, monitoring the price of mortgage bonds is more important because that is what will more directly impact mortgage rates. Most bonds are viewed as safe investments, and for this reason, investors shift money to the bond market when other assets become risky, driving the price of bonds up due to the increase in demand. If we know investors buy more bonds in times of greater risk, and this increase in demand drives prices up, then because of the inverse relationship between price and rate, price goes up, rate comes down, we can expect mortgage rates to be lower when market conditions turn negative, which they already have through most of um, this quarter, fourth quarter 2018, and we expect things to become uh, further negative and certainly um, further more volatile in 2019, which is where the opportunity really lies for capturing some of the best mortgage rates we believe we'll have seen over the last number of decades. Moving on to page five, the Federal Reserve is going to cause a recession. Uh, I got a lot of flack, a lot of kickback for this when I first sent this out. Um, you know, this information uh, was somehow uh, received or fell in the hands of, of competitors, um, and some took a stab at me for making this comment. And it gives me great um, it gives me great pride to now see the fact of the matter is the Federal Reserve is doing is, is exactly as I said they would, and they are heading or driving us straight into a recession. Since the last recession, the Federal Reserve Bank has provided almost three and a half trillion of liquidity to the capital markets through various forms of stimulus programs in an effort to prop up the economy. And the chart shows this huge expansion in the Fed balance sheet. So basically the Fed is printing money out of thin air. As a result, it is acquiring government bonds, mortgage-backed security bonds, and holding them on their balance sheet, like a bank balance sheet. And so the Fed doesn't want to have these assets on their balance sheet. 
um, basically their obligations. And so what the Federal Reserve ultimately is uh, hoping to do is to roll these um, these securities, these 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 bonds off of their books and bring down the balance sheet. But by doing that, by letting these bonds um, roll off or expire once they reach maturity and not reinvesting that money, it's more or less removing liquidity from the economy. So this has been referred to as quantitative tightening or QT, where the Fed is no longer reinvesting this money, no longer keeping the liquidity in the system, and thus is extracting it from the system. And this is putting further downward pressure on the economy. And mathematically, when you look at it, um, this quantitative tightening is also very much equivalent to uh, additional rate hikes. And so although right now it's expected the Fed is going to raise rates to the two and a quarter and two and a half percent range, it feels, at least in the, in the, in the marketplace, in the capital markets, like we're much higher above that because the Fed is no longer providing this additional stimulus. Back to the report on the um, bottom of page five. This injection of capital helped the economy stumble back to its feet, but a dependency on cheap credit clearly still exists. Regardless, the Federal Reserve seems determined to continue raising the Fed funds rate. If history is any guide, then the Fed is about to cause the worst market crash in almost 80 years. Here is why. Again, keep in mind, we issued this in 2017. Here we are a year later, and everyone is kind of jumping on board with this case or with this argument, and many people now think it's um, clear and obvious that this is where we're headed. But at the time, everyone was thinking the opposite and calling us crazy, uh, calling me crazy for making these types of um, statements and predictions. The Fed and their easy money policies have now created an even bigger bubble than prior to 2017 housing crisis. I have a chart here that shows that. It's hard to argue if you feel that before, in 2008, that was a housing bubble, then it's really hard to argue now the types of things that are going on aren't also a bubble. Um, in addition, it's hard to argue that we aren't, in a, again, in another housing bubble, where prices have, in many markets, exceeded what they were before, yet nothing has really changed economically speaking. Wage growth is non-existent. People are still making the same amount of money, and yet the cost of living has also gone up. So the affordability of homes has come down dramatically, yet the prices have skyrocketed. And if we look back in the, in the past and say, oh yeah, of course, of course 2008 was a bubble. But I think it's really hard to argue, looking at where things are today, that we aren't once again in housing bubble 2.0. In addition to the ominous chart above, take a look below at the frightening correlation between stock prices today and the time leading up to the Great Depression. This analog is uh, something I... In, in um, market analysis do and, and some of these um, data scientists do. And I think it's really fascinating to look at how things correlate. Um, you know, history doesn't necessarily repeat, but it definitely rhymes. And these analogs where they overlap charts on top of each other is compelling. Um, again, it, it, it doesn't mean this is it's going to unfold the same way, but it is something to take into consideration. And um, there's some probability there that's that's worth putting into, um, into your analysis when you're making investment decisions. Um, the Fed has clearly not learned from their mistakes in the past. The chart below shows the Fed funds rate, and the circles highlight negative financial events that resulted when the Fed increased rates. As you can see, the Federal Reserve has a track record of raising rates at the worst possible time, and as a result, causing a financial catastrophe. 
So when I was saying that the Federal Reserve was going to cause a, re a recession, people were like, oh, you think you're smarter than the Federal Reserve. That has nothing to do with it. History is, the, is, is basically been the guide. And I'm just using charts and data and information other people have put together that clearly illustrates that they have been the cause of these recessions in the past. The circumstances we're in now and, and the actions that they're taking are going to cause most likely the same result. Now, I don't know why the Fed is doing that. A lot of people, a lot of commentators and financial pundits have a hard time figuring out why they're doing this as well. Part of the reason is they've kind of backed themselves into a corner. Um, maybe I'll get into that in a little bit, but they don't really have too many other options right now. They know in the cyclical nature of the credit markets, certainly based on the bubbles that they've, they've created and, and blown bigger, um, that with the cyclical nature of credit markets, these things eventually unwind and come back down. And so they either need to keep things as they are and, and hoping to prop up the market longer, or they need to get ahead of the next crisis, put themselves in a situation where the Fed funds rate is as high as possible so they can try to ease things off, at least emotionally for market sentiment purposes, by cutting interest rates and making people feel like, oh, the Fed's in control and they're going to fix this with lower interest rates. So I, I don't exactly know, nor do I think most people fully understand why the Fed is doing what they're doing, but I don't think they're completely oblivious and maybe they're choosing the lesser of two evils. But clearly, where we're headed is most likely to recession, and the Federal Reserve is most likely going to be, in terms of monetary policy, the catalyst uh, for that recession. They're not necessarily the catalyst, but they'll certainly um, be part of the blame. Inverted yield curve. The Fed's poor timing is not just a matter of bad luck. There are plenty of warning signs along the way that they should be able to notice. For example, the graph below represents the spread between short-term and long-term rates, also known as a yield curve. Notice that the last five recessions, the shaded areas in the chart, each occurred after an inverted yield curve, which is when short-term short rates are higher than long-term rates. We've already had one inversion so far about a week ago where the three-year treasury and the five-year treasury inverted. It's not as um, significant or as important as some of the other yield curves, such as the two-year and the 10-year, or the 10-year and the Fed funds rate, but we are already starting to see some inversion, which is very foretelling. And we have um, a very, very flat curve in general across many of these other types of yield curves, such as the two and the 10. Um, there's not much spread between the two anymore, um, between the two of those um, two interest rates. In the next two charts, which overlay the Fed funds rate with the U.S. 10-year Treasury bond, we can again see how an inverted yield curve acts as a warning signal. The gray areas are pointing to, to excuse me, the gray areas are pointing to a period of recession. And as you'll notice, nearly every time in the 1950s, when the Fed funds is higher than the 10-year Treasury bond, a recession occurs. It's a very telling chart, 100% of the time, or nearly every every time. Sorry, not 100%. The Trump bump. Almost immediately after it became clear that Donald Trump would be elected president, investors became extremely optimistic that the new pro-business administration would help lift the economy. This made riskier investments such as stocks more attractive to investors, and as a result, they sold bonds, causing rates to rise quickly. The price of stocks also surged higher in what has been nicknamed the Trump bump. However, ever since November, the U.S. 10-year Treasury bond has been moving sideways, and given that, the Trump, given that Trump has not lived up to the expectations of most investors, 
bond rates seem poised to go much lower. The stock market rally were to reverse. The chart below suggests rates could drop precipitously back to pre-election levels. And I still think this is going to be the case. We're going to reach a certain point, a certain resistance, and eventually break through that. And the next decline from there is going to be dramatic and swift. Um, after writing this in the fall of 2017, we did see interest rates rise higher again, excuse me, go higher again or, or rise, partly because of Trump's um, success with the tax reform policy. And that, again, was seen as a potential stimulus and a potential um, back, um, tailwind to the economy growing and, and um, expanding further. But there's just too many other factors involved there um, that weren't really being in, uh, taken into consideration long term. And I think oftentimes speculators and, and traders are, are really just going with momentum. And there was a lot of momentum or at least pent up momentum that, you know, was leaning more towards going higher once, you know, Donald Trump had a little more success and was able to get that tax reform pushed through. Um, that was all the market really needed to sell off of bonds again and invest further into stocks. So we, we did see um, a big rally towards the end of 2017, but it really felt like the markets peaked at the beginning of the year, 2018, January, February, 2018. And since then have basically been sideways trying to figure out what direction they want to go. And it would seem that lately they have made a pretty clear decision that they're um, starting to move the opposite direction. Stocks are starting to sell off. Bonds are becoming more favorable and interest rates are starting to go down on mortgages. I expect that when the Federal Reserve um, does make an interest rate announcement or decision in the middle of December, December 18th, that we will see a little more pressure in the equity stock markets, um, but mortgage rates will begin to rally as the Fed is starting to um, really suck out the last bits of life in terms of the risk-taking aspects of the market. And eventually, um, what they're doing is heading us much faster and much closer to an inverted yield curve. Market participants can see that, and they're already starting to get ahead of that by investing in, into bonds proactively. In addition, you also had a ton of short positions against the bond market. Short positions mean, meaning people betting against bonds and betting against lower interest rates. Once the momentum starts to go against those short traders, once bonds start to rally and interest rates start to come down on mortgages, then those investors who've been shorting the bond market need to cover their short positions by actually buying the very asset they were betting against. This kind of creates a snowball rally or a sudden frenzy of buying and, and price increases. Um, it doesn't necessarily go on um, in perpetuity, but it does call what's called a snowball rally. And we see further momentum start to build behind that given asset class, in this particular case, the bond market. And therefore, we think when the Fed does decide to raise, we do think the Fed will decide to raise interest rates at the end of the month in December. And when they do, we do think bonds will rally. And part of the, the um, reaction to that is these short positions will be forced to cover in what's called a short squeeze and interest rates on mortgages will fall even further. Moving on back to the report, if rates on long-duration bonds continue to follow this path lower, and if the Fed funds rate is just two more times, is raised just two more times, then the result will be an inverted yield curve, which as we already discussed is a powerful signal of recession. The Fed is once again raising rates at the wrong time and steering the U.S. towards economic disaster. Now the Fed continued to raise, but they got a little bit of breathing room because at the same time Donald Trump kicked this, 
this goal and was able to get the tax reform passed. And that caused uh, investors to further pile into the stock market, sell off on bonds. That caused mortgage um, interest rates on government treasuries and mortgage and mortgages to go higher, giving the Fed a little bit more room to continue raising the Fed funds rate. And they've taken full advantage of that by continuing to, to increase the Fed funds. Again, and now if they raise in December, you're talking a two and a quarter, two and a half percent range on the Fed funds. Most likely, you're going to see the 10-year Treasury trade somewhere in the range of 280. So it's only going to take more or less one more rate hike from the Federal Reserve where we're going to have an inverted curve between the Fed funds and the 10-year and most likely an inverted curve between the 2-year and the 10-year. And historically, recession tends to follow that within three to nine months. So probably sometime in 2019, we're going to see that 2- and 10-year inverted curve. And probably by the end of, of 2019, we'll be well on our way into recession. And if something really uh, significant happens in a positive way, to keep the party going. And, and I don't think anyone's really in that camp anymore. Most investors are already starting to hedge or try to protect themselves for the likelihood of a contracting economy and a potential recession. Moving on back to the report, page 10, the new trend lower for interest rates. On September 5th, yield curve between the three-year and the 10-year bonds reached the lowest levels since the economic recovery began in 2009. The last time it reached similar levels was last summer during the Brexit vote, and that eventually led to the lowest mortgage rates on record as investors fled to the safety of bonds. However, only a few months later, Donald Trump was elected president, which sent, sent bonds crashing and interest rates soaring. So the last time the three and the tens were this flat of a curve or were this close to inverting was in 2009, around the time of the financial crisis. Um, the other previous time where we were even in this range was just before the vote that Britain had to leave the European Union, nicknamed Brexit. Um, and at that time, we hit all-time record lows. So since then, the yield, the yield curve on the three, the ten and the three-year has flattened even more. And again, the last time we were even close to this was in 2009. And the three and the tens are as close as they've really ever been to inverting since the financial crisis. This is definitely something for us to continue to watch. It's something for us to be concerned about. And all of this yield curve activity is going to become a uh, popular, very popular topic over the coming months. Now, just six months into the Trump presidency and only three Fed rate hikes later, bond prices have almost fully recovered. As a result, interest rates have rebounded and the trend toward lower mortgage rates seems to be gaining momentum. It was true at the time until, again, uh, Trump was able to pull off the tax reform and that sent rates higher, uh, at least temporarily. But we're now have pretty much fully unwound from that jump in interest rates um, over the last uh, couple months. And we're now hovering around long-term trend lines in the 10-year treasury in the 2.82 range. So if we break below um, 2.82 on the 10-year treasury, it's very likely that we gain even further momentum and treasury yields as well as mortgage rates continue to decline quite rapidly. So this rate hike coming up um, in about a week or so um, could very well be the, the spark that, that ignites the fire and, and pushes interest rates um, precipitously lower. So we want to keep a very close watch on that. Um, even if it doesn't happen in a direct response to Fed raising the Fed funds rate, we think uh, basically 
Uh, everything is already baked into the cake, and it's just a matter of time before some of these things we've been talking about really come to fruition. We see the yield curve invert as investors are trying to hedge against long-term risks, and, and that ultimately leads us into recession. If later in this report I don't dive into why the yield cur- inverted yield curve has such an impact um, on, or at least forecasting recessions, I believe ultimately causing them, um, I'll dive into that a little bit more before I wrap up here, but I'm not sure I might cover that later on in this report. Next section at the top of page 11, stocks and corporate debt. By taking advantage of low interest rates, many publicly traded companies were able to raise money by issuing bonds instead of reinvesting the proceeds. Businesses used the capital to buy back their own stock, and as a result, the price per share stock increased. That sounds good at first, but it also reduces corporate profits. In the past, when there has been a decline in earnings similar to what we saw earlier this year, the eventual result was at least a 20% fall in stock prices. More so than a result of debt-fueled stock buybacks, the dramatic climb in stock prices has been a result of a unique experiment with monetary policy. Since the last recession, the Fed has used various forms of quantitative easing to stimulate the economy by issuing new money into the financial system in exchange for assets such as government bonds. As a result of the accumulation of assets from QE, the Federal Reserve balance sheet has expanded to over $4.5 trillion. Talked about this briefly, um, but the Federal Reserve was more or less acquiring uh, government bonds and injecting this liquidity into the system as a result of doing that, and now has a balance sheet of over $4.5 trillion. They, they started slowly unwinding that recently. Even just that small amount um, that they have rolled off their balance sheet, the negative ramifications in the market have been uh, quite noticeable. So it is a little frightening to imagine what would happen if they, if they really picked up some momentum in terms of um, reducing their balance sheet, which I don't really think they'll be able to do. Uh, page 12, by expanding their balance sheet, the Fed injected massive amounts of financial stimulus into the capital markets, causing stock prices to soar. However, in addition to starting a rate hiking cycle on September 20th, the Fed announced that it will begin unwinding their balance sheet by $10 billion per month, the first reduction in nine years. The question that is now on the mind of every investor is, will the double whammy of Fed rate hikes and balance sheet reduction trigger the next collapse? And this is still on the mind of every investor. The Trump bump is over. The stock markets are overvalued and cheap credit has created one of the biggest bubbles in history. The government corporations, and in particular the U.S. consumer, have accumulated record amounts of debt. And these are two very compelling charts on this page. So then why does the Fed think now is a good time to raise rates, especially with declining GDP? Historically, when the Fed raises rates from low growth levels similar to today, it leads to recession within three to nine months. When considering the current levels of debt and a contracting economy, raising the Fed funds rate seems poorly timed. Donald Trump knows this. This is why he's been so vocal about giving the Federal Reserve a hard time about raising interest rates. He knows what they're doing is ultimately going to cause a problem in the economy, eventually a recession. This obviously is bad for him and his politics. This also gives him an opportunity to continually pushing the blame or the cause on the Fed before it happens so that when it does happen, which he knows it will, he can say, I told you so, and push all the blame on the Fed. So he's being very tactical about it, but he's also being as proactive as he can because he knows what they're doing at least in terms of monetary policy, is going to eventually cause a recession. 
page 14, investors are finally starting to take notice and stock price prices have begun to slide. Yet stock market evangelists shrug it off by arguing that the S&P 500 stock index is only down 2% at the moment. However, when we look at the broader market, the data paints a very different picture. As illustrated by the chart below, the number of companies no longer above their 200-day moving average or in potential long-term downtrends has started to increase dramatically. Therefore, the S&P by itself does not represent the entire market. With so many stocks breaking below their long-term trend line, the 200-day moving average, the reality of what is actually happening is quite clear. The Trump bump is officially over. Now, what's really interesting about this is at the time, a year ago, the S&P was still really strong, and that's because you had some of these um, what are referred to as unicorns, which are your Facebooks, your Netflixes, your Amazons, that your Apples that just can't do wrong, right? These are these are the the, the the stocks and the companies of the future. But now all of these companies are under significant pressure. I think uh, Apple is now um, down twenty percent from their all time highs. And um, in addition to that, the number of stocks um, across the board, especially even in the S&P 500, I think it's something like 97% of them are now in a downtrend or in some form of bear market. So in, in less than a year's time, things have changed dramatically. And this is why it's so important to take the information we're providing you here seriously, because when we release the end of the year market update for 2018, the things that we're going to be talking about, the predictions that we're going to be making might not be happening tomorrow, but suddenly it's the summer of 2018. That happens really quickly. Sometimes a few months can blow by before we even know it. And all of these things are going to start to be coming to fruition and you're going to have missed the opportunity to prepare for them. And then you'll be, you'll be chasing not only the opportunity, but chasing the options that are left to protect yourself as things start to erode um, even more rapidly. So please take this stuff seriously now. This is why we're putting this video series together so you can have a backdrop and an understanding of why we're concerned and why we're making the forecasts, recommendations, and predictions that we are so you can take it seriously as well because you understand it. The U.S. debt ceiling. Since 1910, each time a two-term presidency ended, the U.S. was in recession or experienced one within 12 months. This has been true 100% of the time, but investors must have been unaware since stocks skyrocketed—excuse me, since stocks skyrocketed after the election. So we just had a two-term presidency with Obama. 100% of the time, the incumbent or the, or the president who came after um, that that administration experienced a recession within 12 months. So please excuse the background noise. I am in the city. Sometimes there's stuff that goes on in the city. The narrative behind the stock market rally compared Donald Trump to Ronald Reagan and assumed that an increase in government infrastructure spending would fix the economy. However, investors seem to be ignoring that the national debt is almost $20 trillion and further government spending is restricted by the U.S. debt ceiling. Because of the cap on how much the government can borrow, the U.S. Treasury now has less cash on hand than Google. This is once again true. We were once again up against the debt ceiling conversation. We're once again looking at a potential government shutdown because both sides of government can't reach an agreement. Um, so here we are again a year later, deja vu, dealing with um, the debt ceiling and a government shutdown. It's a very different circumstance and environment now to be having this conversation though 
because the market, the global economy, is under much more distress. And overall, the Fed policy and how far along the Fed is in their um, rate hiking cycle has added additional pressure and sensitivity, sensitivity to market conditions. So dealing with a government shutdown right now uh, would basically be like pouring gasoline on the fire um, and would probably um, really accelerate the decline in stock prices and further accelerate the increase in bond prices, which helps, which by now you should know, move mortgage rates lower. If Congress does not reach an agreement to raise the debt ceiling by the end of the year, the U.S. government will come to a halt as key government services and social welfare programs will no longer have the necessary funding to continue. We've seen this act play out before, most recently just a few years ago. The drama leading up to a potential government shutdown should create a similar bond rally, and as a result, interest rates will be much lower, if only for a short time. So we, we had a little bit of a, a rally this time last year when the government shutdown conversation was going on. Again, it's a totally different scenario right now. That was kind of an isolated factor or topic to be considering. Now you've got the potential of a government shutdown on top of all the other things that are going on um, overall in the marketplace. So, you know, the potential of there being a government shutdown right now um, is, is uh, far more of a critical topic than it was a year ago. And therefore, if something does happen, even for a short, short term basis, the impact that it's likely to have on the equity market and the bond market should be much more severe. In the end, there will likely be an agreement that is reached and the U.S. government will go on issuing more debt. However, even if the debt ceiling is raised, it will do very little to help the fragile economy and just the mere threat of a government shutdown could be the catalyst which sends the U.S. into recession. So the likelihood of there being some heavy discussion or debate over a government shutdown is going to be coming around the same time the Federal Reserve is most likely raising the Fed funds rate Again, so it's a double whammy of sorts that is going on, um, and the timing of it just couldn't be any worse for the stock market, ultimately couldn't be any better for mortgage interest rates. So how can you benefit from the chaos as uncertainty increases? Capital seeks shelter in the bond market. The price of bonds have, been, have an inverse relationship to rates. Therefore, as the price of mortgage bonds increases from higher demand, the result is lower mortgage rates. And obviously, I'm really beating this into your head because it's uh, not only obviously very important, but it's, it's, very, uh, it's the opposite of what most people think when they're hearing people talk on uh, television and whatnot about the Fed raising interest rates and everything is hunky-dory in the economy and housing and all these other types of things. There's a backdrop. There's a, another story going on beyond the narrative you keep hearing, and it's important that you start to peel those layers back, pull the curtains back, and get a better understanding have a closer look at what's really going on, what that ultimately is going to mean in the very near term. In a few months, we will likely look back on today and refer to it as the calm before the storm. As the information throughout this letter suggests, a severe market correction is no longer a question of if, but merely a matter of when. Although the econ economic outlook seems dire, it is times of chaos that we find the greatest opportunity. And here we are a year later, so much of the things that we were talking about now coming to fruition with great velocity. And sometimes things take a little bit longer. Sometimes things take much less time than you expected. So being that we're within a year's time frame on a lot of these things coming to true, uh, we feel you know really confident about where we 
um, the forecast we're making for 2019. And we're actually quite proud about many of the things that we shared with our clients well in advance and how we are able to help them take advantage of these things unfolding as we predicted. So please keep continuing to watch these videos. Um, we're going to go through um, a, a more recent market update in the next video. And then eventually I'm going to discuss my end of the year uh, market update and analysis for 2019. In the meantime, if you have any questions about any of this, feel free to leave a comment, um, send me an email, get in, in contact with us however you can, however you need to. We'd love to help. We'd love to hear your feedback, answer your questions, and help you in any way we can. So thank you very much for watching this video. Look forward to seeing you on the next one. Thank you.